Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. As you can see, I'm dressed up today because I've got some other things to do. Um, but I'm with you, nevertheless. I'm going to try to keep this a shorter program because I've got so many other things to do today that I really need to try to cut this short in order to get to some of the other things that are pressing on me right now. But look, I, I want to get to the word uh, early today, but I also want to mention something. You know, I'm not a conspiratorial thinker, and uh, I tend to reject conspiracy theories. I was thinking, however, that I can understand why some people resort to that way of thinking. And here's what got me thinking about that. Here's what got me considering that. Now, I've been talking a lot about the efforts of the left to co-opt our children, even to the point of pedophilia, sexualizing them at a very early age, making them much more susceptible to predators by talking to preschool children about sex and homosexuality and, and putting books in libraries that depict uh, sexual acts uh, that young children will have an opportunity to look at spoiling their innocence and getting them involved in things they shouldn't be getting gotten involved in. And I really believe this is because there are adults who want to prey on children and they want to make those children available and accessible to them. And they want to sexualize them early. Now, I guess I don't know that much and I haven't read that much about this whole QAnon thing and, and I don't know to what extent that's related to this theory about the, the pedophile ring that operates at the highest levels of elite society and the government and business and so forth. But I've been thinking about this whole issue of, of co-opting and exploiting and preying on children. And I read this article, I read it a few days ago and it came back again today about uh, the CIA discovering that they had some people in their ranks who were engaged in child exploitation and pedophilia. And uh, one person who had even, um, had even been discovered to have sex with, with a two-year-old child. And apparently, except, within, except for one case, none of these people were prosecuted. They were fired from the CIA, but, but they weren't prosecuted. They didn't bring any charges against them. Now, I, I, I suppose this is because, I suppose the justification is, that, well, they, you know, they're working at the CIA, it might make us vulnerable, they have too much important information. But you know what, folks? This is one of those cases where I don't care. You do what you need to do in order to protect American secrets and, and, uh, and, and, and classified information, even if you have to put that person into solitary confinement, but you don't, you don't allow people to go unpunished, to prey on children. You can't allow that to happen. And uh, the similar article just uh, reading today, this was in the Daily Caller today, about the FBI hiding uh, some of the sexual escapades of FBI agents with prostitutes and, and all of that overseas, which of course makes us vulnerable to the FBI 
agents being blackmailed uh, for their unethical and immoral behavior, particularly while overseas. Now, I could go on and on, you know, the, the displays in the libraries, these, you know, uh, what is it, gender queer book that's got pedophilia depicted in it and got sexual acts depicted in it, which they want to make available to children. I saw one library where they had one display with two homosexual books, and then they had the Bible beside that, and the Bible had a, uh, had a, uh, a homosexual cone hat above it, you know, the rainbow cone hat, the Bible and two homosexual books together, like as if the devil's saying, just look how much I hate what this book represents. And then putting beside it two books that are, are basically exploiting children sexually and trying to sexualize children. And then they want to complain that parents who object are, are criminals. They want to turn them over to the FBI. If you object to teaching your child in, in public school uh, that gender is, uh, is, is malleable and changeable and don't listen to your parents, they don't know what they're talking about. You might be a boy in a girl's body, vice versa. And all that sick garbage. So... Let me just tell you, <clears throat> I still don't believe in a conspiracy and I still don't believe any of the QAnon stuff. I don't believe that. But you have to understand something, folks. You don't need to have a conspiracy when everybody is controlled and driven by the same spirit. See, this is a spiritual thing, not a conspiracy thing. It's a spiritual thing. And that spirit of of antichrist, that spirit of depravity, that spirit of degeneracy, that spirit of filth, spirit of, 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 of sexual perversion. See, that spirit is running rampant in our culture because so many people have decided to reject God. They don't want God. And as Roman 1 says, God has backed off of them and given them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are unseemly. And that's really what it is. It, if you want to call it a conspiracy, it is a conspiritual. It, it is a spiritual conspiracy among demonic forces to to drag our nation into the moral and spiritual abyss. That's the conspiracy. And the chief conspirator is the devil, Satan, Lucifer. And there's only one antidote to this mess. And that's, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. He, he is the only antidote to it. And folks, rather than focusing on conspiracy theories, we need to focus on the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places in high places and put on the whole <clears throat> armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's, that's the answer. Not spinning off into wild conspiracy theories, 
But coming back to what the Word of God teaches us about the nature of mankind and particularly what mankind does without God. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked above everything. Who can know it? But when God gets a hold of the human heart, he takes a heart of stone and turns it into a heart of flesh. Meaning he takes a hard heart and turns it into a heart that's soft toward him and soft toward his word and, and, and malleable and pliable toward him. And, 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 and to tell you the truth, there is a hardness, but it's hardened against evil. God softens us toward him and his goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace and his morality. And he hardens us against evil. And what I just shared with you is evil, folks. And I've said that I think that our law enforcement agencies, our national security apparatus between the deep state and the immoral state have really become corrupted. And it, it pains me to say that because these are institutions that we desperately need and we need them to be institutions of integrity. And if they become taken over by immorality and depravity and, and, and selfishness, and they're supposed to be on the front lines of protecting us against our enemies, foreign and domestic, we're in trouble. Which again, we, we, need, we need leadership that's gonna clean house on this stuff. We need leadership that's gonna set, set things straight and not play games, no apologies. I mean, I, 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 this, this guy, um, uh, the head of the FBI, he's in the, he needs to go. He needs to go as far as I'm concerned. He's not leading the FBI. Um, he, he, to me, I don't know whether he's a leftist or a liberal or what he is, but to me, he's just going along to get along. Chris, what is it, Chris Ray? I think his name is Christopher Ray. Um, yeah, name's uh, mis uh, uh, left me for the moment. But yeah, uh, he needs to go. I mean, when you got a former communist who never renounced communism, John Brennan, who headed up the FBI under Barack Obama, to me, that tells you all you need to know. And that's not a conspiracy theory, folks. That's just a fact. John Brennan was a confirmed, admitted communist, and he never renounced communism. I, I'm sure he probably wouldn't call himself a communist today, but he never renounced it. He never said, I was wrong. That was, communism is bad. We don't need, I, I think the man's still a communist in his heart. I think that's what he's, the way he still thinks. James Comey, another one. James Comey was a communist. Now, isn't it interesting that you have a former head of the FBI and a former head of the, the CIA, both of whom were admitted communists? I mean, do, does that seem strange to you? It certainly does to me. Strange that we would allow such people to be in those offices, A, without a full-throated denunciation of their former ideology that's convincing I don't even know that they were questioned about this when they were confirmed. They should have been. They should have been. They should have been given an opportunity to answer. If you, if you believe then in communism, how do we know you don't believe in that now? Which is completely antithetical to America, our constitution, and our way of life. So, folks, we've got, we've got some spiritual 
and moral house cleaning to do, not just political, but spiritual and moral house cleaning to do. Okay? I'm not saying that every person who serves in office has to be a born-again Christian, like me, like maybe you, whoever is listening to me. But I'll tell you one thing. I want to know that the person subscribes to Judeo-Christian values and principles and ideals. Because if they don't, as far as I'm concerned, we don't need them in office. Because what, what values do they bring? They could be bringing the values of a traitor. If, they, if they're not rooted and grounded in our system and way of life, they may well be the, 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 the moles for something else. And even if not for communist China or Russia or, or some other country that is our adversary or enemy, you better believe they're a mole for the devil. If they don't subscribe to Judeo-Christian values and principles and worldview, they're definitely a mole for the devil. And we've seen it. I mean, this is why our country is where it is now. Because we elected people like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. These people were disastrous. Say, so, well, Bill Clinton got the economy going. Bill Clinton was a moral sewer. And Barack Obama, as far as I'm concerned, is a communist. I've never heard Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Excuse me, folks. Forgive me. Hmm. I've never heard Barack Obama say one word of affectionate love, patriotism, admiration for this country, not once. Have you? If you have, please correct me. Please tell me. Write me. EWJackson at EWJackson.com. I want to know. I want to hear it. I've watched him, studied him fairly closely. I've never heard him say one word of affection, admiration, uh, love, patriotism for this country, ever. All I've ever heard him say is criticism. Criticism of capitalism, criticism of the Constitution. We're racist. People clinging to their Bibles and their guns and antipathy to people who don't like, who don't, who don't look like them, I guess he said. I mean, we, we just had a disaster in the Midwest. And if you've watched me or listened to me, hear me talk about my admiration for the American people and, and how we rise to the occasion with compassion and concern and love. And we don't ask the question. Well, what, what, what race is the people who are hurt? What race? Is, no, we, we just respond to the needs of our fellow citizens. We go, we go and help and give and pray and, and support. That's that Judeo-Christian foundation in our nation that causes us to have compassion toward people we don't even know. You ever heard? I mean, and to, to me, that's no, I'm not doing anything heroic or great when I say that. I'm just pointing out the facts. But I feel that in my heart when I say that, I know it's true. 
You ever heard Barack Obama talk like that? Never. Never. So we've elected these people who don't really have the, our, our country's best interest at heart and don't really have the, the best interest of the American people at heart. I mean, Bill Clinton to me was just a playboy and a ne'er-do-well who went along to, and did whatever he thought he needed to do in order to get reelected and to stay in power. Uh, but, I mean, he was a liar and a, a, a playboy. And you know, I don't think Bill Clinton's main concern was America. Bill, Bill Clinton's main concern was himself. I think Barack Obama's main concern was his ideology. I don't know what Jimmy Carter's main concern was. I mean, Jimmy Carter to me was just... He's he just not up to the task and, and, and terribly misguided as well. We got to stop electing people who don't have our best interests at heart. I mean, I, I don't think the America first is a Trump principle. I think America first is a common sense principle. Trump just articulated it. Of course, then the left tried to turn that into hatred of other people, hatred of other countries. I mean, it's racism, xenophobia. I mean, it's just preposterous. It's ridiculous. That's like me saying, taking care of my, or like somebody saying, you take care of your own home? Yeah, I do. Oh, boy, I, that's, that's awfully selfish of you, E.W. Jackson. That's awfully selfish. No, it's common sense. If I can help someone else, I will. But I've got to take care of my own home first. And turn that into something evil and wicked and, and racist. And it just, to me, it's just crazy. And we got to stop electing people like that to office. All those San Francisco people out there, I hope they get a revelation. Get rid of people like Nancy Pelosi. That woman is a, she's, she's a toxic monster. Got to get rid of folks like that. And when I say get rid of, you know what I mean? Vote them out of office, not vote them in. Okay, you know what? Let me get to the word of God. And I think I'm going to try to, as I said, I'm going to try to end early today. That, that rarely works out, but I'm going to still give it the old college try. <laughs> okay. Okay, Colossians chapter two. Wow, well, this book is this this book is rich. Um, let's see. We finish up at the sixth verse. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. We also got to the seventh, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. Well, we didn't really go into the seventh in in any depth, so let me do that. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding with it in thanksgiving. Now look. How do you get rooted and built up in him and establishing the faith? I talked a little bit yesterday about doing these big sort of spiritually heroic things like some things I did. I mean, I, I said I fasted 40 days. Uh, I fasted one 35 days with nothing but water. Probably almost killed myself, hurt myself doing it, but I did it. But I said, it's, it's, it's the, the, the daily disciplines that really make the difference long term. And this is rooted and built up in him. How? In the word. It's the word of God that roots us and builds us up. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Getting your mind 
saturated with the word of God by staying in it. Say, well, Bishop, I don't have time. You, you're a minister. You, I don't have time to do that. No, you've got time. You know, you can, you can, you can get that done by spending 5, 10, 15 minutes daily or maybe multiple times a day. Just stay at it. Read the word of God when you get up. Read the word of God before you go to bed. Read the word of God on your lunchtime. Nowadays, you can get the word of God in audio. Have it. I've got the word of God on the audio of the entire Bible in, in my iPad and, and on my telephone as well. It's called the Word of Promise. And it's the Bible in audio. The Word of Promise. You can listen to the Word of God being read to you. You can pray. You know, I've said the Lord spoke to me as I was thinking and meditating and said, you know, it just involve me in everything. Involve me in everything. So make God an ongoing part of your, your daily life by talking to him. Uh, I just had somebody call me last evening about an issue, a problem that's arisen. And I immediately turned to the Lord. I said, well, Lord, you know, you, you know what this is all about. You know what's going on here. Lead me, guide me, lead those, uh, the other people involved, guide us. I mean, it's the kind of thing most people think, well, you know, that, what's that got to do with church? What's that? God's got to do with everything. If you, if you will allow him, he won't bum rush in, but if you invite him in, he'll be there. If you ask for his help, he'll give it to you. You seek his guidance, you'll have it. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. James 1 said, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to all liberally and does not upbraid and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, nothing doubting. God wants to be involved. That's what it means to be rooted and built up. The word edifies. The edify means to build. The word edifies you. It, it strengthens you. It builds you up. And established in the faith means firm. Means firm in the faith. See, I know there are a lot of people out there who don't believe, even believe that the Bible is the word of God. But you can't tell me that. I, 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 I don't even want to hear it. I'm firm in my belief that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of the living God from the first word in Genesis to the last word in Revelation. They said, well, wait a minute, Bishop, all those years, you know, the Bible has mistakes. It has no mistakes in it. God has, by his holy and sovereign power, protected his word. You know, people were shocked when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. I think that was back in the 70s, I'm not mistaken. They found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they, they were, of course, old covenant scrolls kept by a, a group called the Essenes. And they looked at those ancient scrolls. And they found that they were absolutely accurate with what we read today. 2,000 years old. Don't tell me that God can't protect his word. He can and he has. And you've got to get firm in that, firm in the word. So when the word says something, that's it. That settles it for me. And established in the faith. Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by what? The word of God. 
So you got to hear the word of God. And by the way, folks, I did a whole teaching on this a few weeks ago. And and forgive me, we got to get a catalog together so I can make these things easily accessible to you because I talk about them. You say, wow, I'd like to hear that. I'd like to get that. But then I've got to be able to give you the reference for where to go to get it. Um, But I talked about the issue of authenticity in the word. You know, in Romans chapter 10 says, um, how shall they hear without a preacher? That word preacher, there's a, there's a, there's a really an Italian name that comes from that word Caruso. That's the root for the Greek word. I think the word is Caruso, but it's a word that means someone who has been authenticated, authorized, called to proclaim that word. In other words, it's not just somebody who walks in from nowhere. How shall they preach? How shall they hear without a preacher? That word preacher means someone duly authorized to carry on that task. You've heard me say this probably, but some were called, some were sent, and some just got up and went. And those folks that got up and went out of these cemeteries and got up and went because, you know, they, they had a dream, they had a vision, they had, you know, and, and it, it had nothing to do with God. Then you find out they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the church. And, and you know, we've had, had right here in Richmond, a guy, he's man, built a great big old church, man, had people coming from everywhere, come to find out. It's just a rank pedophile having sex with all the young girls in the church. They ain't, call, they ain't called by God. These people aren't called by God. Give me a break. God's not sending anybody into his church to prey on the vulnerable. That's not happening. So that word says um, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but how shall they hear without a an official proclaimer. Now, Bishop, are you saying that unless I'm ordained or licensed, I can't proclaim the word of God to somebody? No, I'm not saying that. Anybody, any Christian, any true Christian can because you're authorized to do that. But there is an official system that God has put in place for the propagation of his word And it it confirms this in Romans chapter 10, where it says, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? Apostolo. And that word sent, this doesn't mean sent kind of, you know, for whoever. Apostolo, the word apostle comes from it. It means how shall they preach unless they are officially sent by Almighty God? I tell you what, you can go proclaim the word of God to anybody and God will bless that and honor that. But, you know, everybody doesn't have any business trying to set up Bible studies and trying to set themselves over people as their spiritual advisors and their spiritual this, that, and the other. If they're not authorized, if, if there's not a, an apostolic line of authority through which they've come, somebody's got to authorize you. Somebody that, that has been authorized by somebody that's been authorized by somebody that's been authorized by somebody that's been authorized by God. You know, people ask me sometimes, you know, where, how I became a bishop. I was made a bishop by a council of bishops in Boston. 
who looked at my ministry and what God was doing with me and agreed that God was saying to them that he was consecrating me to a new level of authority. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to call myself Bishop. I didn't do that. People have, and they do, but it's not authentic. The three men who, who consecrated me and set me apart are all have gone home to be with the Lord now, but they were all men of God that I had tremendous confidence in pastors and bishops in their own right. And then the congregation signed and bore witness of that consecration. See, folks, there's a lot of apostolic authority that there are many people in the church now who, who don't, they don't respect it anymore. They just think, I'm doing my own thing. I, God called me. And that's how a lot of people get all messed up. Um, I, well, well, you know what, I, I, I won't even bother to get, get, get all into that, but, but, but I will simply say that you need to get rooted and grounded and established in the faith, okay? And there are people out there who can help you do that. I'm one of those people who, I, who God has sent to help you do that, and there are others out there, but not everybody is. Not everybody is. Don't listen to everything and everybody, because everybody is not worth listening to says, as you've been taught, as you have been taught, as you have been taught, taught by who? Paul said, taught by him and taught by those whom he's appointed and those whom he sent. Abounding with it in thanksgiving. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four that God appointed for us a five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now those can overlap. And uh, let me describe to you what my ministry is. You can think about this yourself. It's not really important uh, for, um, it's not necessarily important for your own spiritual growth, but, but it might be important for you to kind of understand me and who you're, who you're watching, who you're listening to. God has appointed me to the offices of bishop. Bishop is an office because what a bishop is, is really a, a, a overseeing pastor. Okay. Because bishops oversee pastors, pastors report to bishops and bishops can oversee uh, a variety of different ministry situations and circumstances. And see, that's part of the problem. A lot of people don't want any oversight. They don't want any accountability at all. But God, so God has appointed me to the office of bishop. The five-fold ministry he's given me is that of pastor and teacher. So two of those five-fold ministries I operate in. But there's also two more. Because I, I operate in an apostolic and prophetic anointing as well. Now, I don't consider myself as occupying the office of apostle or the office of prophet. But I know that there's an apostolic and prophetic anointing on my life. 
I just don't consider those to be, shall we say, what define my ministry. I think my ministry is primarily be defined as that of being a bishop, pastor, and teacher. So you won't ever hear me calling myself Apostle Jackson because I, I don't think that's appropriate for me. Now, I don't, I don't knock people who think it's appropriate for them, so I'm not making any criticism of, of others. I'm just saying that's not for me, okay? Or call myself Prophet Jackson. I've seen people do that too. I don't do that. That's not for me. But notice, notice something I left out. I said, well, why didn't you mention evangelists? I mean, you got, you got four of the five-fold ministry that you, uh, three off, uh, well, no, well, yeah, two offices, really, uh, two of the five-fold ministry that, uh, that I operate in, pastor and teacher, the office of bishop, who I say is a kind of pastoral overseer. But then I operate in the apostolic and prophetic anointing. What I do here is prophetic. When I'm making commentary from a biblical perspective on what is going on in the world, it is, it is prophetic ministry that I'm engaged in. You know, people think prophecy is just pre predicting the future. No, prophecy is, comes from the word prophemi, which means to speak forth. Prophecy is really speaking forth the word of God. And it has a prophetic element when it deals with the past, the present, and the future. See, people think prophecy just deals with the future. No, prophecy interprets the past, explains the present, and does have a predictive quality about the future. So I have that anointing on my life. An apostle sets things in order. I have that anointing on my life to set things in order. When, when, when God puts me in any situation, even if I'm not the person responsible, I immediately begin to see things that, that need to be adjusted, that need to, okay, this, this needs to be, because that's just the anointing that is on my life to do that. And anybody who's been around me a, a long time will tell you that I'm constantly putting things in proper order. That's what an apostle does. He's called to do that. That's what Paul was doing, setting the church up and putting things in order. Explaining to Timothy what he needed to do and how he needed to do it. But don't listen to people who aren't authorized by God. And to be authorized by God, if you are truly authorized by God, God is going to give you someone who is likewise authorized to, to lay the hands of approval on you for what God is calling you to do. And if you don't have that, something's wrong. And it's not wrong with God, but something's wrong with you. If you're launching out there, just, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, do, I'm doing my own thing because it's not right. A lot of people get hurt like that. Don't do it. Don't do it. God will give you someone who is going to see in you what he's put in you and lay hands on you. You know, when Paul got called by God on the Damascus Road, remember what the Lord did for him first? Sent him to Ananias. Paul couldn't even see. And he couldn't get himself straightened out. God sent him to an authority that he had chosen to lay hands on Paul and speak into his life and get those scales removed from his eyes. Now, I'll tell you something. Because Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Covenant.
But yet, in order to get started, he needed to submit himself to the authority and the anointing and the calling of someone else. Glory to God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Woo, man, that's, that's, that's hot today. Boy, that's the, you know, you, you're treading on dangerous ground going there today, but that's the way it was. And people just don't want to do that because they're selfish and they're, you know, they're ambitious and they got their own thing they want to do and they just want to do their thing. That's it. That's it. They don't want and tell everybody to counsel them, advise them, help them. And I thank God for the people in my life that God put in my life to help me. My goodness gracious, they helped me to avoid some stupid stuff. And there were times when people were speaking about life and I didn't listen and then did some stupid stuff. But I tell you what, the counsel I got always helped me. Reverend Rafe Taylor, Reverend Rafe Kelly, uh, Reverend Charles Gray, um, Bishop John Jimenez. Uh, I, I could, I, you know, I mean, those are people who, who helped me, counseled me, blessed me. Bishop John Jimenez has gone home. All of them have gone on to be with the Lord now. Uh, but, but, but really helped me at strategic moments in my life. God had them there to give me the guidance and the help and the support that I needed. And, and thank God I wasn't hard-headed and so self-absorbed that I, I, I don't even, I, God talks to me. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm, I actually, I'm not doing badly either. I'm not doing badly. I'm going to end seven minutes earlier than I normally do. Uh, don't forget our Martin Luther King Leadership Breakfast. I don't have the flyer here. But don't forget that. The tickets are already selling online. Thecall.org is where you go. Click on the, the breakfast and you'll see the flyer. The, the proceeds of the breakfast go to give two scholarships to high school students to support the William Jackson Youth Center, to support the Maximum Potential Christian Academy. Uh, and so we're, and we're doing exciting stuff, bringing people together across racial and cultural lines instead of, ripping pe instead of ripping people apart, which is what some are trying to do in our country. And so I really believe this breakfast is worth supporting. You can go make a contribution or you can go buy a ticket uh, to make sure that you're there on January the 17th at 10 a.m. at the Chesapeake Marriott Hotel. And uh, we're expecting three to 400 people there. Uh, by the way, the hotel no longer has any mask requirements, but I think they recommend masking. Uh, it's up to, as, for, as a church, our attitude is that's up to you. You do what you feel you need to do. Okay, uh, we, we're not forcing people to wear masks. We're not objecting to anybody who wears them. I, I believe in freedom. And I believe you know better what is right for you than I do. And I'm not gonna be the one dictating to you what you have to do. I, I, I don't want the government doing it and I'm not gonna do it either. So you do whatever feels right to you. But we're gonna have a great time in the Lord and we're gonna be safe. We're gonna pray over this thing. Everybody's gonna be safe and sound. And uh, I won't get off into all of this COVID nonsense. That'll just distract me. And I'll end up not, be, not ending early. I'm already, I'm already only five minutes early. So let me quit while I'm ahead, okay? I love you. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. I'll be back with you again tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. And I'll be back again today at 1 p.m. Uh, for American Family Radio 
on my program called The Awakening. Download my app so you can get all the stuff that you, you want, and uh, I'm happy to be of service to you. I already gave you my email address, ewjackson at ewjackson.com. Contact me anytime, and we will, we will definitely respond, okay? God bless you. I love you. Remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.